Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Well, hey, y'all. It is uh, March 3rd, 2021. Uh, How are you? I'm so good. Sometimes I hear myself talk like this and I can't stand it. So that's always fun. Uh, So in my last podcast, I mentioned Thomas Merton. And there have been questions raised about who is this Thomas Merton? So I thought I would just pop on here and tell you a little bit about Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton uh, came to my attention when I was first sober because my first grand sponsor sent me this prayer. I was having a really hard time praying, believing in God and God having anything to do with me in the beginning of my recovery. So she sent me what is commonly known as the Thomas Merton prayer. It's so good. And it reads, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone." So that is commonly known as the Thomas Merton prayer. I was blown away when I read it. Um, It's actually from a book called Thoughts in Solitude. So Thomas Merton um, was born in 1915. He died in 1968. He was a Trappist monk. I think I said on the podcast he was Benedictine. Uh, He was a Trappist monk. So Trappist monks have these beautiful white robes with hoods. Oh. They're so pretty. If you've ever seen uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, which is one of my favorite movies, if you have not seen it, I highly recommend it. I've probably seen it 20 times, maybe more. Um, In that movie, there is a scene where two characters are fleeing and they happen to go to a hilltop monastery full of these Trappist monks. The women Trappist monks are called Trappistines. How much do you love that? Um, and you can visit the monastery actually in Kentucky. I almost went to it twice and plans were foiled twice, but I plan to go there, uh, this year. It's Gethsemane, the Abbey of Gethsemane. So he was a monk there and then became like a hermit. He left the monastery but then stayed on the grounds in the hermitage so introverts rejoice being a hermit is like our greatest uh striving and so he be he lived in the hermitage by himself solitude he was a mystic which i love mystics i'm so resonating with mystics right now a poet a writer a true contemplative you may have heard of some of the books he wrote uh, i think the most popular was the um seven 
Seven Story Mountain, which is his autobiography, but he did write, write Thoughts and Solitude, where that prayer came from. And Ascent to Truth is another one. If you Google him, you can see all of that. Um, the Seven Story Mountain is actually his autobiography of his conversion to Catholicism. But the reason Merton became so popular is because of his, he revered um, Eastern religions he had a lot of interfaith spirituality and philosophies that he wove into his writing but he was also um pretty rambunctious he loved jazz he also fell in love with a nurse while he was a monk we don't know if anything ever happened he's a huge proponent of the peace movement um especially when it was in the 60s uh he just he's pretty rad i think he's quite handsome as well by the way so I love Thomas Merton and I love specifically his writings on prayer because I find myself going deeper and deeper into contemplative prayer. Um, I find his writings and a lot of them are, you know, I'm also probably one of the only uh, Christians who doesn't like C.S. Lewis. So I love C.S. Lewis quotes and I love it when people talk about him, but his writings seem to be kind of over my head. I have a hard time with them. It's the same thing with Merton. I love clips and snippets and quotes and when people teach on Merton. But sitting down with Merton, my beloved husband bought me this book of essays for Merton for Christmas and I just like I love the book and I love the idea but I can't get through it so um what I two of the things I love most about what Thomas Merton says on prayer specifically on contemplative prayer he says the only trouble is that in the spiritual life there are no tricks and no shortcuts those who imagine that they can discover spiritual gimmicks and put them to work for themselves usually ignore God's will and his grace. And why I love that is because it fits so well with recovery, honestly. There's no tricks and no shortcuts to recovery. In AA, we do all 12 steps. And the 12th step says that we work and practice these principles in all our affairs. So there's no, you can't go from step one to step nine. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't do the two step, which is like one to nine or one to 12. Uh, there are no shortcuts. My, my sponsor says shortcuts leave you shortchanged. And so the reason I love that last part when he talks about ignoring God's will and his grace is that... The beauty of taking the long way, um, how do we talk like, how does it said in, in recovery? Um, I think it's not until we let go absolutely, but it's basically like if we take a shortcut, we will subvert all of God's will and his grace because God seeks transformation of our hearts and transformations of our mind and transformation doesn't happen overnight the get rich quick schemes usually end in bankruptcy for a reason we have to develop habits and the process of opening ourselves and I hate this phrase but I don't know how else to say it peeling back the layers takes time and in those gaps in between each step and in the time it takes to get to where we are journeying to that's when the beautiful will and love and grace and mercy of God seeps into our lives so there is no quick fix. Um, oh, it keeps at the edge of my 
consciousness is the thing I'm searching for that connects to something that the big book talks about. Um, I think it comes before the result was nil until we let go absolutely. But anyways, another thing Merton says is prayer is the movement of trust, of gratitude, of adoration, or of sorrow that places us before God, seeing both him and ourselves in the light of his infinite truth and moves us to ask him for the mercy, the spiritual strength, the material help that we all need. I love Merton so much. I love me some Merton. So that's really all I came to say today. You know what? Actually, I'm going to add this. This was going to be a separate podcast, but it's on my mind. Uh, I heard the phrase a couple of years ago called, and I've mentioned it on previous podcasts, outrage porn. And why I love that is because I'm frequently seeing it's a one strike and you're out world that we're living in. And I will connect this to prayer and contemplative prayer. And so you can follow someone on Instagram and the moment they post something you don't like, whether it's politically, religiously, just a value, an ideal, a belief, an opinion, you'll see in the comments, unfollowed. It's like in my family, you're only as good as your last good deed. If you don't do what they want you to do, you don't support what they want you to support, like you're out. It, has, it does not matter what has happened to you before. And what has happened to them before in light of your relationship. I've experienced that in my personal life as well. One strike you're out never makes sense to me. Especially in the light of our program. You know the big book talks a lot, a lot about love and tolerance. If you do a word search um, for tolerance. I think something like 15 or 20 quotes come up in the big book. But it talks about being loving and tolerant and though I don't like the word tolerant because it doesn't seem very uh, open or loving it's like okay I'll tolerate you what I do appreciate is how it talks about being open-minded and compassionate and full of grace and mercy towards people who behave differently than you who believe differently than you I think that's really important in our world right now. I did a podcast on this before. Being soft and kind to people that have different views than you. Basing your relationship with them on love and support and self-sacrifice and compassion. Love does not have to be based on differences of opinion unless we choose it to be that way. And I'm not talking about extreme things. I'm talking about, and when I say extreme things, I'm I'm talking about like murder or rape or abuse or any of those things which inflict harm and violence on other people. But I'm talking about differences of opinion, differences of religion, differences of politics. That for me, if you want to talk about evil, is the um, motivation or essence of evil is to divide people. And so often I feel like relationships are torn apart because of the fruits of an evil spirit seeking to divide. One of the things I love about AA is it really is all-inclusive. There is space for everyone, every belief, every religion. That's why I love the anonymous of, of it. Like it doesn't matter what gender I am, what um, sex I prefer, what I do for a living, what God I worship, how much money I make, what part of town I live in, how many husbands or wives I choose to have, how many children I have, if I choose to have children. 
uh, if I, it just, if I'm homeless, if I'm not homeless, all it requires is our tradition three, a desire to stop drinking. Like that's it. We are a member if we say we're a member and we can't exclude people based on those things. So I think it's like a really good model for a loving humanity. And I think if other organizations operated that way, the world would be better. Now we do have a lot of sick people in the rooms. So not everybody will live that way. And we none of us live that way 100% of the time. But I really believe that AA led me through my higher power to love people, to truly love people. And so my prayer to God of let me see people the way you do, which then means I will love them like God does, has been answered in that regard. So I do think that when we seep ourselves in prayer and contemplative prayer, it opens up our hearts. It expands our minds and our consciousness to connect with God, who is available to everyone, everywhere, all the time. Portable higher power, there all the time. And I think we become better when we spend more time in prayer and more time connecting to our higher power, which is himself love. God is himself love. He's a concept greater than we can ever understand, but he is himself love. So let's let's be seekers and if we don't know how to seek having people like thomas merton or saint francis of assisi of which our 11th step prayer comes from franciscans are uh, monks under the order of saint francis of assisi these people are gifts to us because when we don't know how to do it we can just simply pick up something they wrote and go oh okay when i didn't know how to pray this prayer was fucking brilliant the Merton prayer. I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road of me ahead of me. I do I don't know myself. I want to know you. Like that is such a beautiful prayer. So I encourage you today to sit a little bit in prayer. Um maybe Google prayer. See what prayers come up. Borrow someone else's prayer. The possibilities are endless. All right, I'm feeling like I'm done. Uh, Thanks for hanging with me. I appreciate you. I hope you found this helpful and I will speak with you very soon.